Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. Hallelujah. John chapter 7, 37 to 38. I'm reading from the New King James Version. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his belly will flow Rivers of living water. Somebody say rivers of living water. Yeah. Springs in the desert. There's many places in the Bible where God is proud of a certain promise that he makes. And he's made it several times, especially in the book of Isaiah. So if you read Isaiah 43, 19... God proudly announces through Isaiah, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way or a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It's not the first time you're hearing God say that. He proudly makes this prophetic promise to say, I will make whatever I do will be like a river has just been created in the desert. You get the picture. The desert is is a dry place. The desert is not the source of water. So when God is making the promise, he's making us try to understand how ridiculously good this thing is going to be. It's going to be in such a way that the desert will become a source of water. I will make springs Rivers in the desert. Are you following? What is the desert? The desert is a dry place. So he's saying, I will make rivers in the desert. This is an amazing promise. You'll find it again, Isaiah 41 verse 18. If you're writing, just keep writing those down. It says, I will open rivers in the desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. You see, God, the picture he's painting, he's taking one extreme and another extreme and putting them together. He's saying, as dry as the desert is, I can make it spring with water. It's a promise that God is really proud of. And he makes it from time to time again. Another portion where he makes it is Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35 verse 7, it says, The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals, the animals, where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and bushes. Are you with me? Did you see that? It's a promise of springs of water rising up in the desert. 
It's not just God speaking, but it's an actual promise of springs rising up in the desert. Today, I want you to begin to understand that all that promise was talking about was Jesus Christ. So the scripture we just read in John chapter 7, it says on that great day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come and drink from me. Did you capture it? He didn't say it to himself. He announced it to everyone. The people who understood the prophecies of Isaiah understood what he just said. Because for so long, God has been prophesying that I will cause springs to come out of the dry ground. Mm. You should see this. Isaiah had prophesied that the springs will look like this in, in Isaiah 35. The blind eyes will open. The lame will walk. You will know that the spring has arrived. Are you with me? So when Jesus stood up on this great day of the feast, the whole Jerusalem, the whole Judean world is gathered. So he stands up and he draws attention to himself. The Bible says he cried out. It says he emotionally cried out. Whoever is thirsty, come and drink. What he's announcing is that the spring is here. Did you get it? Jesus is announcing the spring is what? It's here. You can come and drink. I'm sure if you stepped into your office tomorrow or whatever time, you stepped into your workplace and you, or your school wherever and said to the people, whoever is thirsty can come and drink. The people will expect you have some drinks. Right? Some of you might get stoned. <laughs> but you see, this is not the only time Jesus has said such a statement. In John chapter 4, with the woman at the well, when he was sat at the well, and, she's, and he said to her, can you give me some water? The woman said to Jesus, hey, we don't mix. You, we don't mix. You are Jewish, I'm a Samaritan, and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and then he says, if you knew who is asking, you would have asked him for a drink. And he would have given you water, and you would never be thirsty again. And she says, how? You don't even have the instrument for drawing water out. Jesus knew he was a living spring of water. Let's draw that point down. Jesus knew he was a living spring of water. Wherever he went, he knew he could cause people to drink from the water that he carried. Amen? What type of spring is this? What else do you see in this scripture? You see also the explanation that when he said these things, he was not actually talking about natural water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. You get it? So Jesus was a fountain of the Holy Spirit. So when he says, you are thirsty, come and drink, he meant, come and receive of the Holy Spirit from me. Hello? What other thing you see? 
When people were drinking from Jesus, it also begins to mean all the miracles that were happening were happening because of this river that was flowing from him. Because when he's saying you who are thirsty, he means you people that have got needs. You people who are blind, lame, broken by life, disappointed, come and drink. And we all know they would come in their numbers. And when they drink from him, the blind would see. When they drink from him, the lame would walk, right? When they drink from him, the people that were possessed with demons, oppressed in every way, would go free because they drink from him. So the water they are drinking is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings freedom into their lives. Somebody say amen. Amen. So when you and I come to Jesus, this is what we partake of. This is how we become free because we drink from him. He's a fountain of the Holy Spirit. The other thing that is taking place in that story, Jesus reveals to us. He says, when you drink from me, those of you who believe, another thing is going to happen. Not just miracles for you, but out of you, the same will begin to flow. Did you get it? What he's saying is that this same thing that flows in me will flow also in you. This same fountain I carry will also be in you. You will also carry the fountain of the Holy Spirit. Huh. So if Jesus stood up and says, whoever is thirsty, come and drink from me, from me, it means you can also stand up and say, whoever is thirsty, come and drink from me. Oh, you, you, you need to believe that. <sighs> Let me show you what this fountain looks like. In Revelation 22, in verse 1, the Bible kind of describes this river. It's the Holy Spirit is describing. Revelation 22, verse 1, I read the Passion. The Passion says, Then the angel showed me the river, not a river, the river, not a river, the river of the water of life. You already know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, flowing with water clear as crystal. The most purest you've ever seen. Continuously pouring out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. You see what's happening? God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit is pouring out. Continuously. Oh my God, if you understand that, you would dance. It is good news. The outpouring did not happen and then stopped. Mm. I need a bunch of new Christians that get excited when they hear God. (laughs) The outpouring has not stopped. We do not have to go and dance on Peter's grave to have some. You get it? It says continuously pouring. It means today, as we are standing right here, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit continuously flowing from the throne of God. Mm, 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 mm. He says the river was flowing in the middle of the street of the city. On either side the river of the river was the tree of life. With its 12 kinds of ripe fruit according to each month of the year. The leaves of the tree of life 
are for the healing of the nations. Now where else did you hear that? You heard it in Ezekiel 47 last week. Same river. So when Jesus is saying, come and drink from me, this is what is pouring out of him. A river of the Holy Spirit. As clear as crystal. And producing righteousness. Producing all kinds of fruit to the glory of God. So when you see people being healed, it is righteousness being produced. Are you with me? You need to understand this. It is God correcting that which was wrong. Producing righteousness by the river. So when Jesus says at the end of it all, if you believe in me, the same shall flow out of you. What is flowing out of you? It's the Holy Spirit. What is flowing out of you? It's the Holy Spirit. What is flowing out of you? It's the Holy Spirit. Some of us need to change our theology. Because that scripture is beginning to challenge you what you think. The Holy Spirit flows out of you. Is it? Yes. Out of you. As much as the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus breathed on the disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. He did that. When Jesus in a room, the people would say, and the presence of God to heal the sick was there. The Holy Spirit was flowing. When you are with Jesus, you could feel a river flowing. Are you with me? <laughs> Out of you, the river of the Holy Spirit flows. I'm not saying there is potential. I'm saying it flows. When you believe, it flows. When you don't believe, you close it up. When you believe, it flows. Jesus said, those that believe, this river shall flow out of them. You see, the Holy Spirit is the only one referred to as rivers of living waters. There's no another river somewhere and then there's the Holy Spirit. No. It's rivers of living waters has to refer to the Holy Spirit. Hello? For God said it, Joel chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Feels like he's pouring. When you read Revelation 22, which we just read, he's pouring. From his presence, from the throne room of the Lamb and of God the Father, there's a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It's never stopped. May I suggest that this outpouring is targeted towards you. And it's supposed to come into you and flow through you to your world. May, may I really suggest that that's what God is doing. Yeah. When you see, when you read Revelation 22, it, would, it, it should change your life in understanding this. Where is this river going? Where is it going? It's being poured out. That's what we're told. Where is it going? It's going to the nations. It's coming towards you. Are you with me? It's pouring towards you. 
And the reason God is pouring towards you is so that out of you may flow this same river. People, we are connected to the heavens like never before. We are one with what God is doing like never before. We need to just start believing that. Because most of us are still trying to qualify. Listen to me. Jesus said, when you believe, and he's talking to the masses. He's not talking to the soul super righteous people. He's talking to the masses. He's saying, any of you that believes out of you, you also get connected. Have you seen the firemen connect their hose? You know, when there's a, when there's a fire going on and they're connecting their, their, their hose pipes. And they connect. And then they add another one. Every time somebody believes in Christ, there's a connection to the river. We can go into this world and switch off fires. Are you with me? Are you with me? This river, when you read that Revelation 22, it shows you the river is carrying a life in it. And it is the life of God. It carries the culture in it. It is a culture of heaven. It is a culture of the kingdom. Are you with me? Number one, he says the river is as clear as crystal. Which means when you get connected to this, you begin to receive clarity in your life as a person. You know, a person that believes in Christ lives in clarity. Are you with me? There's, there's no two ways. You're not confusing. You see, when you see Peter... You don't, you, you're no longer surprised at what he's doing. Because there's a clarity in his life. Jesus brings him into a place of clarity that says you are an apostle and this is what I've called you to do. And Peter lives with that clarity to the point of death. Are you with me? Anybody that gets connected to this river begins to live in clarity. You do no longer live a life that is just double-minded. This river is clear as crystal. Another thing about this river is that it brings direction. Somebody say direction. direction. When you connect to God, you have direction in life. You can't be a Christian that says, I don't know. Where are you going? I don't know. What's happening to your life? I don't know. That means your connection is uh, some issues happening. Eh? We need to help you. Because if you're, you know, how, when you walk with the Spirit of God, you begin to know. What you didn't know. There's so much clarity. There's so much clarity that to some, somebody who doesn't know, you might even appear to be arrogant. Because you actually know what you want to do and what needs to be done. It's a river that brings so much clarity. The third thing you see with that river, this is just by the way, this is not my main point. I'm going to make my main point later. The third thing you see with this river is fruitfulness. He says, on either side of the river is a tree. In Ezekiel 47, on either side of the river is trees. There is fish multiplying. In Revelation 22, the, on either side of the river is what? A tree. Now, I like, I like the phrasing in, Ezekiel, in, in Revelation 22. It says, on either side of the river is a tree. <laughs> it's not one tree. It's one kind of tree. And it is a tree that produces in season out of season. It's always in season. A tree. But it's on either side of a river. Are you with me? 
There is fruitfulness. When the Holy Spirit, when you get connected, the hose gets connected, fruitfulness arises in you. Are you with me? The third thing, the fourth thing you see with this river, and I'm going to finish there for this one. The fourth thing you see with this river is healing. The leaves of the trees are for healing for the nations. When you get connected to this river, you begin to, to, to be a person that is passionate, not just about understanding problems, but about bringing healing, bringing solutions. Hello? You see, when we say healing in the Bible, we're not just talking about somebody is unwell, we laid hands, and they became well. We are talking about solutions. So you can heal a marriage, heal a company, heal an economy, and heal a body. Solutions. Are you with me? So when this river is flowing, we expect productivity in you, and God expects you to be a solution bringer. It, it turns you into a person that brings solutions. Hello? It's a different approach. Because then you no longer fear problems. It's not like you rejoice when you see problems, but you don't fear problems. Because you carry a solution in you. This river flows from within you. You might as well stand up and announce, come and drink. Hello? Mm. There's so much of a fight in your family, you can stand up and say, hey, hold your horses. Come and drink. Jesus is deliberately going into situations and releasing this river. It means when you bring him before the sea, or you bring him before those that are suffering all sorts of things, he deliberately releases that river into their lives. Hello? Because he says, I cast out demons by the finger of God, or by the Holy Spirit. This is when people had said, he's casting out demons by Beelzebub, the chief of demons. And Jesus said, you just insulted the Holy Spirit. Because I do this by the Holy Spirit. So when he stands before any situation, what he is doing is releasing the river in him towards the situation. I want you to catch this picture very clearly. Okay? It's like a fireman with a hose and there's a fire. And he releases his water onto the fire. Are you with me? So when Jesus turns up at a situation, all he does is cause the river that is in him to flow towards the situation. The Holy Spirit deals with the situation. Mm. You get it? This teaches us the way we should understand. If we believe out of us will flow this river of living water, then we can stand before any situation and release it. Now guess what the world is going to be like? When you stand before situations and, and your response is to release the Holy Spirit into the place. And my response is the same. And that person's... And every, we 
will begin to fulfill Habakkuk 2.14 and the praises of the, of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the what? The sea. Why? Because you are releasing, I am releasing, the Holy Spirit begins to fill the place. The things I'm speaking to you are real. They are real. That if you stand in a place and begin to say, right, I'm here now. And you begin to prophesy, let the river that is within me, let the Holy Spirit flow in this place. The Holy Spirit will flow in that place. I, I want to change the way you're thinking. If you're thinking we should arrive in a place and begin to cry, God, send your spirit. You are using a model that is slightly skewed. If you spend your time before God and the presence of God is flowing through you, you can arrive in a place and turn on the taps. You carry the grace. You carry the grace. You see, when you begin to say, God, send your spirit, it means you have just approached something that exceeds your authority. Now, that's for another day. When you approach something that exceeds your level of authority, you cry for God to do something. But if it is within your authority, you can turn the taps on. Did you get it? This year is manifestation of sons. Huh? It's no joke. We need to believe who we are and what we carry. And that the Holy Spirit is within us. And learn to understand, this is within my authority. I can turn the taps on. Mm -hmm. Within your authority, I'll give you an example. It's happening in your house. It's within your authority. It's happening in your workplace. Well, you have authority to be there. It's within your authority. If it's happening in the city and you're not the mayor of the city, you better get together and start crying that God would send. Are you with me? Amen. If it goes beyond your jurisdiction, this is why Christians sometimes injure themselves. They always, you know, they, they, they think spiritual things do not have levels and recognitions and authorities. So we've got sons of Skeva going to, to kick out a demon in a man and they have no authority at all. They don't even know Jesus. So they are saying, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And what happens? They were dispersed in seven directions by a demon, beaten by a demon. Because they were outside their realm of authority. Are you with me? If you brought Paul to the same guy, that demon would have gone. <laughs> this is for a seminar. I'm not going to go there. But, you know, if it's happening, let's just practice this. If it's happening within your authority, you can begin to turn the taps on and let the river of the Holy Spirit reach and touch. The problem is we're trying to reach the city, win the whole world. We can't deal with things within our authority. It doesn't work like that. Within your authority. Hello? You work within your authority and then God keeps expanding your realm of authority. And he keeps expanding it. And now you can go as far as you can go. Are you with me? Nowadays with YouTube and uh, Facebook and all this other stuff, 
You can see some people overreaching. They're trying to reach the entire world when they can't even turn the taps on in their own home. You're trying to chase things at a level that you don't have authority yet. Doesn't mean you will never have authority, but you don't have authority yet. You know what I miss? What social media has done to us, the, the, the worst part of social media is like everybody, even people who have no authority, can still venture their opinion and confuse people. So, so we now miss those that actually carried real authority to speak to the body of Christ. Actually, you go on social media and, and, and you see somebody that, that carries some stronger authority in the body of Christ and they have spoken something, and you find this... Joe Blogger has written his own stuff. <laughs> Everybody argues with anybody. Nobody respects authority anymore. But it's true. That's what, you know, social media sometimes, the disadvantage is it's raising a generation that don't know how to respect authority because they argue with anybody. Everybody argues with anybody. They never stop to think the person I'm arguing with has, has, has been around for a while. God has been using them for 40 years. They, they have reached millions of souls. Perhaps it's possible that Jesus has shown them some things that I don't know yet. I don't I never stop to think like that. They just want to argue with everybody. <laughs> you are hindering your own growth. The person you are arguing with has turned taps on in their family. Their deliverance has come. People are saved. They are serving God to the third generation. And you are arguing. You haven't even saved one of your children. You are arguing with somebody who saved millions. Including their own family. Oh, I don't agree with them. Come down. Go home and agree with your children. Go home and agree with your brothers and your sisters. Forget him. You don't have the authority they have attained to. And these messages, are, people don't really understand it anymore because we are all the same. We are all the same, but we have different levels of authority. <laughs> it's funny that that argument never comes up in your workplace. You don't go at your workplace and say, we are all the same. They will fire you very quickly. <laughs> because there are levels of authority in your workplace. And they are respected. And you think that has nothing to do with God. That is just worldly. No. It has everything to do with God. If I train my children to go to school and we are all the same and never respect their authority, soon they will be homeschooled. And it will not even work because they have to respect my authority. Hello? Levels of authority. But you're going to turn the taps on on things that are within your reach. Are you with me? This is when people come back injured and they say, Oh, you know, I've tried this thing. It doesn't work. I prayed. And it Where were you reaching to? <laughs> and they go and misquote a scripture. I can do all things through Christ. To Let me not go there. Levels of authority. Amen. So you're going to turn the taps on within your realm of authority. You, you know, you and me should become very hungry when thi for things within our realm to begin to respond to this river within us. That's what you should be obsessed with. You say, God, why? This is my house. The Holy Spirit must move here. Why? We should be hungry for that because that's within your realm. God, why? This is my money. The Holy Spirit must move here. Be hungry about that. 
Because that's within your authority and the enemy is coming in. You need to get hungry. God, why? These are my children. We must be flowing in the Holy Spirit here. Hello? And then you will know this thing is true. You say, hey, I have a river of living water flowing through me. If I stretch my hand like this, I can see the river go. I can see the river touch my children, touch my affairs, touch my issues. I have a river. And then you can stand on your doorpost and say, hey, if you want to come and drink, come. There's a river flowing here. These things are real. Hello? Now let me finish. How to help ourselves flow in that river. There's very clear instructions in Psalm 1. How to flourish in that river. Helping ourselves to flourish in that river. That's where I want to finish. Just give me 5-10 minutes. Psalm chapter 1. Very clear instructions in Psalms chapter 1. The classic translations of Psalm chapter 1, King James says, uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Listen to this verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Hello? The living, the, the, the living Bible puts it this way. All the joys of those who do not follow evil men's advice, who do not hang around with sinners, scoffing at the things of God, but they delight in doing everything God wants them to do. And day and night are always meditating on his laws and thinking about ways to follow him more closely. They are like trees along a riverbank. You remember this picture of trees along a riverbank? Mm-hmm. Bearing luscious fruit each season without fail. Their leaves shall never wither and all they do shall There is a way of flourishing by the riverside. To make this river prosper you, make you flourish. There is a way God wants us to do life. Can you see it? You see it in that scripture, right? There is a way God wants us to do life so that we can be people that flourish by the river. And he says you can learn from the tree how it flourishes by the river. Three things are mentioned that are quite key. Actually, four things in that scripture. But three negative ones like do not, do not, do not. Right? Number one, mind how you walk. He says, do not walk in the counsel or in the advice of sinners. The river is flowing in you already. Are you with me? If you're going to make that river flourish, number one, mind how you walk. 
Change your counsel of advisors. Sinners. Advice, it says, in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? It means carnal counsel. Counsel that is just based on human wisdom. The Bible teaches us to have godly counsel around our lives. Hello? That's what it teaches. Have godly counsel and that you have to do yourself. You have to decide. Part of growing up, you see, as they are young, they are young. They are learning and we force ourselves into their lives. And say, hey, you can't do that because they are young. But when you grow up, you decide to open your life to godly counsel. You decide. And many people are failing to flourish because they have not done that. In the place of secrecy and darkness, there is no flourishing. Nobody ever flourished. I might go as far as saying only bacteria flourishes in those places to kill you. If, if, if there's something you're struggling with, an addiction or pornography, whatever, learn to seek godly counsel. Nobody's going to say you are useless, you're nothing. No, no. Once you establish godly counsel around you and you begin to open your life, bacteria dies. Hello? A way of sinners. What is he saying we should do for this river to flourish? Live a life that acknowledges God. Proverbs says, acknowledge him in all your ways. <laughs> and what is he going to do? He will prosper you. He will make your ways prosperous. Acknowledge him in all you do. It's pretty simple. To learn to have God in the everyday. Amen? So not walking in the way of sinners who walk without God every day. No knowledge, no awareness of God. Yours is to learn to have God every day. And the last one from the Psalms. Do not sit among scorners or scoffers of God. Amen? Sitting is a position of, of, uh, of, of agreement. Okay? Do not agree with Scoffers and scorners. Those that insult God. Are you with me? If you're going to let this river flow, live open to godly counsel. Acknowledge God in all your ways. And here's the third one. Sit only and always only on God's side. Not with those that are against God. So there's a story in the Bible where we can learn this lesson. It's Joshua chapter 5. And in Joshua chapter 5, around verse 13, we were introduced to the story of Joshua is trying to enter Jericho. And Jericho is a fortified city. But the problem he has is it's a promised land. That's the land he needs to occupy. If Joshua does not defeat Jericho, we can look at his leadership as a failure. There's no... He hasn't been successful as a leader. Joshua was supposed to get into Jericho. You get it? Because everybody knew God had promised, this is the place where we start taking the promised land. 
Here, right here in Jericho. The problem he has is fortified and he can't get in. So one time the Bible says he's walking by the river and he sees an angel. And he's a warrior angel. He's big. He's carrying a sword. Drawn. And so Joshua runs there to this man. And he says to this man, Whose side are you on? Is it our side or the enemy's side? And the answer the angel gives is what's awesome. The angel says, no, no, no. I'm not on your side. I'm not on your enemy's side. I'm on God's side. And immediately Joshua changes his posture. He gets on God's side. He bows down. And he calls him, my Lord. He changes posture. He's a quick man. He knows to win this battle, I don't need a third side. I need to take me and my entire army and we go on God's side. You get it? That's all you need. That's all you need. If this river is going to flow, always make sure you sit on God's side. Don't sit on the fence. And don't sit especially with those that are mocking God. Oh. Christians... I've talked about, this is the third time I'm talking about it in the service. Christians, if we're going to reach this culture with the river of God, we better stop joining every cultural trend and sit on God's side all the time. You might not understand the things that are going on, but sit on God's side. Otherwise, we are sitting with mockers in the name of love. Or because because we have to share God's love with everyone, we go and sit with people that are mocking God. Because we, it's a misunderstanding of Scripture. You've got to sit on God's side all the time. What does that mean? Do not get into covenant relationships with mockers of God. What I see is we are called to bring people to God. And you drag them whether they are wearing a flag or not. Because you believe the presence of God is what changes you. So it can change another person's life. Now that's much harder to do. The easier thing to do is stand on the fence. We just love everyone. Sounds like the best thing to say. But it's the easiest thing to do in the situation. The much more difficult thing to do is to declare your side and still reach and love. And yet that's what we're supposed to be doing. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now we ended there. There's no way I wanted to end. But listen. We are to let the river flow. The Holy Spirit is enough. It doesn't matter who you're going to meet this week. Don't walk in ungodly counsel. Mind where you stand, that it's not in the way of sinners. Acknowledge God in the situation. And hey, very sure you, you are on God's side. Be very sure. God, I'm on your side here. I don't want any other side. I'm, I'm not. It's really nowadays where the world is becoming very, you know, so much going on. I'm on your side here. I, I, I know. I'm going to be on God's side. I'm not going to be in those that are maybe. Well, no, I am on your side. 
And from that side, God is going to enable us to reach people.